Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan, and it is a pleasure to be with you today as we explore everything residential. With over a decade in real estate industry, acquiring, flipping, developing, and financing over $500 million worth in real estate, our guest, Ruben Isgalov, has quickly become a renowned real estate expert, speaker, and guide for many professionals in the industry. The most successful time in Ruben's career was during the 2009 financial crisis. During this time, he bought, fixed, and sold distressed properties, which showed his determination in both bullish and bearish markets. After using private money financing, he quickly saw the innovation desperately needed in the private lending space and decided to spearhead it by co-founding WeLend LLC, a private lending platform. Ruben graduated from St. John's University and Toro School of Law, where he earned a BS in legal studies and his JD finishing cum laude and magna cum laude. So, Ruben, take us into the show by sharing a memorable experience from your formative years that helped you to be who you are today. So sometimes, you know, I have to pinch myself to make sure that you're talking about, you know, me here. <laughs> and clearly it is the case, but it's a pleasure to be on the show. And I really appreciate you taking the time to interview me. Look, my family and I, we immigrated to the U.S. probably in the 90s. I was right around six years old, entered the Department of Education school system. Thankfully, that kind of shaped me in many forms, but really taught me how to make sure that I always assimilate and know where I'm at and what I'm doing and where I'm going. But to the question of what helped shape me and so on, I think at around age 13 or 14, a cousin of mine who just also immigrated to the US from Israel with very little to his name, entered the real estate space. He started buying, flipping real estate and so on. And I think within a year or two, I all of a sudden see him driving this beautiful white Mercedes coupe. And I was, you know, I was, again, I was like a 12, 13 year old. And I always complimented him, like, look, you know, I salute you. You came here with nothing. And here you are driving an American and Mercedes. You know, what a success story. And he said, you know, Ruben, I need your help. And I'm like, well, what is it? He said, I always go door knocking and not everyone opens the door for me. But, you know, you're a good looking kid. You know, why don't you come join me? You're a sweet you know, kid. Come join me, knock on the doors. If someone opens the door, I'll take it from there. So, you know, it was a summer thing. I said, you know what? Why not? Let's give it a shot. And it worked. It worked well for him. You know, when, when you see a 13-year-old kid knocking on the door, you're going to open versus 30-year-old man opening, knocking on the door. So, it worked well. And that's kind of when I got the taste of real estate because I was able to join him and see him negotiating these deals and see him closing these deals. But I also got a little bit of a taste of money because, you know, he obviously made sure to give me something Nothing major, but something nominal that made me realize that, you know what, there is something here. Obviously, I had to go back to school and I couldn't continue doing that, which I wish I did in some fashion or another, but it gave me the introduction that I needed to the space. Fast forward a little bit, my brother really started buying real estate in Florida. That was around 18 years old. While I was actually a loan originator at a mortgage brokerage at that time. And, you know, my brother's done well. He was buying land, 
repositioning it, getting the, the specific permits and endowments that he needed to be able to develop on them. And then what I would do is always try to finance the end user on it. Fast forward a little bit there as well. I unfortunately was a high school dropout and thinking that I am the smartest man, just being a teenager, what have you, I obviously entered into the business world. And like I said, was a loan originator, but the financial crisis came about, the economic crisis then back in 2008. And I went from making considerable amount of money as a teenager down to zero. And my father sat me down and he's like, look, son, you know, you're obviously a teenager. You're doing well for yourself. You've got a lot of the things that many teenagers don't. But what if you were to have a family today and you have mouths to feed, you have a family to support, you know, what insurance do you have that if this happens again in the future, you have someone to fall back on? And he made me give him a man's word right then and there that I was going to go back and pursue my education. And I luckily gave him my man's word. And I ultimately you know, held true to it. I got my GED, went to St. John's, and then ultimately went to Toro School of Law, thinking that I was going to be the best attorney in the world and I'm going to take over the legal world and so on. But while in law school, while in my undergraduate studies, I was also buying, selling, flipping, and developing real estate. And, you know, it got to a point where I was doing so well in it while in law school that there was some thought of, do I really need to go to law school? But I was too far in and I gave my father my word. So I followed through with it and I finished law school. And, you know, I actually tried practicing for about a couple of weeks right after law school. And, you know, I was working for a friend of mine who was also my attorney on my own real estate transactions. And, you know, I was analyzing and reading through these contracts for investors buying properties. And I quickly realized that I'm actually not even analyzing the contract. I'm on Zillow and Google and looking at these properties that they're buying and saying, oh, that's a good buy and so on and so on. And quickly realized, you know, I'm, I'm not an attorney. I'm more of an investor and an entrepreneur. And I quickly realized that and withdrew my application from there. And thankfully, that actually gave me the ability to bring my focus to where I needed to be, which was real estate. And you know, one of the things that I always stumbled across while buying, selling, and flipping, and what have you, was the form and the method in which my hard money lenders at that time were operating. And that was, in my opinion, archaic, right? I was a young entrepreneur. Obviously, I'm not going to say tech savvy or what have you, but I knew how to use technology. I mean, beyond a fax machine. So, whereas my hard money lenders at that time, they only had was a fax machine, and some of them didn't. They had a home phone, and you know, maybe his kids would answer, his grandkids or his wife, and just like call whenever you call back at this and this time, he should be home. And you know, that quickly made me realize that there's definitely a need in the space to be able to disrupt it in the sense of bringing that organizational corporate type feel into the space. And that's exactly what we did by finding WeLend, founding WeLend. And we found it in 2018. And so far until this day, it's been nothing but up in the sky and growing and scaling and good pain. So that's many of the things that shaped me to be who I am today. Sorry, same name, so many of them, but those are the many of the things that shaped me to be who I am today. Well, very interesting background with certainly a lot of variety of experiences, but in, <laughs> in many different ways, all of it certainly relating to the real estate industry. Well, you have been through some different cycles, some ups and downs. So you went through the 2009 and you actually used that downturn actually to your advantage by 
going into the distressed property market, which there were a lot of distressed homes at that Plenty. point in time. Plenty, absolutely. And things have changed. And so how have you changed your investment model in conjunction with distressed as opposed to getting into this seller's market that we're in? So today, our key focus is on private lending, is on we lend. You know, and one of the things that we recognize is that we're either private lenders or we're private investors. So we never want to be in a position where we're at the auction house, the foreclosure auction house, or we're bidding on a property that the same property that our borrower might be bidding on. We never want to be in a position where we are competing with our borrowers. So as a result, as of 2018, I want to say we may have bought a small handful of properties only because we feel that it's important to know who you are and never be able to step on the toes of your clients, your borrower base. So, you know, the handful of properties that we've bought, I can tell you now, they were brought to us by our borrowers. A lot of times a borrower comes to me and says, you know, Ruben, and these are borrowers that have borrowed plenty of us, plenty from us. They come to us and say, you know, I have these 10 deals that I already have in a pipeline with you and I have money out with you. I have this 11th deal. It's an amazing deal. It's a home run. Come join me on it, right? Mm -hmm. Come in as a partner. We're happy to do that. And we've done a handful of those already. Or it could be that a borrower comes to me and says, you know what, Ruben, why don't you take on this deal? I can't afford it anymore. I don't want to be bogged down with anymore. I'm too busy uh, or what have you. And that's something that we're always happy to take a look at. But I want to say this, there's been probably less than eight transactions that we've done on the investment side, only because our clear focus is we lend and never being able to compete or having to compete with any of our borrowers or clients. We'll be right back after a brief announcement. Are you a busy professional, passionate about the work of your calling, yet realize that even though you love what you are doing, you're exchanging your time for money? You know that if you were to lose the ability to exchange time for money, your financial well-being will be in jeopardy. If you can relate, I have great news. Steve Tucker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steedtucker.com. Get your free one-page 10-step guide to passive real estate investing. Okay. Well, that is interesting. And certainly that private lending space. Well, there's very few, like you pointed out, uh, private lenders are generally individuals that have accumulated some funds and they're doing it essentially on a part-time basis and they are not really looking at it as a business. And so it is pretty scattered, disarrayed, uh, disorganized. And from an investor point of view, that is the kind of thing that can make an investor actually crazy. So you have put in place- I agree with you. You know, I, I can tell you an example that I personally had. You know, we had a property that was a short sale and it needed to close within a certain period of time because, as you know, a short sale, and this was years ago, way before we founded Wheeland, you had a very small window, usually anywhere between two to three weeks to close on a property. And my private hard money, and he wasn't even a private lender, he was a hard money lender. Great guy. Till this day, we're friends. And I call him from time to time for advice. So I, you know, direction or what have you. And, you know, what would you do here? What would you do there? 
great guy, taught me a lot. But nevertheless, he didn't treat it as a full-blown business. It was more of like, it's a side gig, keep myself busy, keep myself out on the street. But it brought a lot of hurdles to me because sometimes I would call him and he was a one-man shop, right? It was him and his outside counsel that would close the deals. And he might literally be somewhere in the middle of the world, vacationing, no service or what have you. And he would be out for two to three weeks at a time. And I actually had a scenario where I had to reach out to multiple hard money lenders at the time to see if they would be able to finance a deal for me because he was away. And again, it's because he wasn't treating it as a business. And that was another reason why we saw the opportunity, we saw the gaps, and we decided to bridge those gaps and be able to find WeLend and found WeLend and and be able to grow it and scale it in the way in which we did by treating it as a full-blown business and corporation. Well, tell us a little bit more about the gaps. I mean, you've gotten into the aspect of how chaotic it is, how informal it is in regards to that. But I'm sure that in establishing your lending business as a business, you have filled in even more gaps than just those informal kind of gaps there. So talk to us about those other gaps, which even though all of that disorganization and informality can drive an investor crazy, there's much more to getting that money to the closing table that private investor is not particularly good at. So talk to us about those other things. Yeah. Look, there's a number of ways that you can get financing on a deal, right? And that is to go out there and raise equity through real estate investors. It could also be through traditional means by going to a conventional lender like you know Wells Fargo, Bank of America, or what have you, or it's to go through a private lender like ourselves. Now, if you have the ability to raise equity and you are willing to forego considerable amount of your net profits, then yeah, I think that's always a good option. I don't recommend it because at the end of the day, you have to split the profits. If you now have the ability to go out and get financing through a conventional lender, you should definitely do that. I always tell my borrowers that. But a lot of times, it could be that the borrower is not financeable through a conventional lender, or it could be that the asset itself, the property they're financing, no conventional lender would ever touch it. For example, some of our borrowers today, you know, the hurdle that they face is that they're full-time real estate investors. And as a real estate investor, you might not have the same income as a W-2 employee does that is clean cut. So as a result, when you go to a conventional lender, they want to see your tax returns. They want to see your bank statements. They want to see your W-2s. And they want to see that you are a secure investment. In addition to that, they also want to see the asset as far as making sure that the asset is a secured investment. A lot of our borrowers, they don't fit that mold. Neither does their asset because there are properties where we funded that didn't have a roof on top, right? That had squatters in it that were inaccessible because of that. They just had a number of liens and issues and violations that a conventional lender would not touch. So to your point, as far as gaps, those are the gaps that we are filling and bridging today by giving the end, the, the borrower, the client, the options of private financing to be able to bridge the gaps that they need. But aside from all of that, it's also timing. You know, To go through a conventional lender or to raise capital through investors can take a considerable amount of time. Whereas the financing on our end 
it kicks in probably within five to seven business days. And sometimes we could even do it sooner. I've had a closing some one time within 36 hours of notice. But again, it's for a returning borrower. We have a lot of their information. They've done a bunch of deals with us. So there's a lot of comfortability there. But it gives that borrower also the competitive edge to negotiate with the seller and say, you know what, I can close within 36 hours or I can close within seven days. And there are no contingencies because, yeah, I might have to go, eventually I might have to go into the property, but that squatter upstairs on the second floor is not letting anyone in, but I still have the ability to close on it regardless. So giving them that competitive edge, bridging those gaps for them that they're facing today through the market by raising capital through equity investors or through traditional lenders is what we offer and provide. Well, do you lend outside of the New York City area? What are your limitations there geographically? Yeah, we lend nationwide. Predominantly, we're in the New York, New Jersey, and the Eastern Corridor. But we know you're also in North Carolina. We just funded recently a loan in North Carolina. It was about a $6.4 million loan where one of our borrowers was buying a extended stay hotel that they plan and they're successfully currently working on to reconvert to a multifamily. I believe it's about 80 units or so of extended stay hotel. They're putting anywhere between, I'm sorry, five to 15,000 CapEx into each unit. Just some TLC, sprucing it up a bit. But to your point, as far as where we lend, I mean, it's nationwide. We've lent in Alabama and Arkansas, and I've never even been in Alabama or Arkansas. But we have the capacity and the ability to lend nationwide with the exception of a few states Uh, For example, Nevada, Arizona, or California, because of the licensing requirements in those states. And well, you just mentioned that you actually were financing a multifamily project. Is that what you primarily are focused on in terms of your lending? Or do you go into commercial areas? Uh, Are you primarily focused on single family and you occasionally do multifamily? What is your major focus there? Great question. So we predominantly focus on the residential component. We always want to see some type of residential component in the asset that we're financing. And that's mainly because of the strong background and performance behind the residential market today. I mean, you know it yourself. I mean, I'm sure many of your listeners know it as well. I mean, this residential, especially on the multifamily sides, it's in hot demand. All the major institutions and private equity firms are entering the space and buying up all of the multifamily space or their multifamily buildings, or they're building on them, building new ones today. And it's just a hot market. But to answer your question, it's predominantly anywhere as small as a single unit, all the way up to 250 units. And we always want to see at the very least about 51% or greater residential component in the building. So we do finance mixed-use buildings as well. But the mixed-use building, it has to be 51% or greater residential. And the remainder could be, you know, obviously retail or what have you. And what are you looking for in loan-to-value? So it depends. You know, generally speaking, on a one-to-four unit, we can go up to 90% of the purchase price and 100% of the construction cost, depending on the borrower's experience, of course. The construction, always going up to 100%. On the multifamily, anything greater than five units or greater, in that case, we can go up to 85% of the acquisition and 100% of the construction. Now, again, a lot of the properties that we're financing today, they're value-add properties, right? These are investors that are finding properties through a number of different means that have a value-add component to it. They're repositioning and then refinancing 
into either a conventional loan, which is always the best route. But again, some of them don't fit that mold. Or we can go up to night on the residential for the one to four units, we can go up to 90% of the purchase and 100% of the construction cost. The multifamily five units or greater, we can go up to probably anywhere between 80 to 85% of the purchase and 100% of the construction. But again, that's focused on the value-add bridge component. These are 12-month to maybe 18-month loans. Most of our loans are probably repaid within, I would say, 8 to 11 months. So that gives the borrower plenty of time to reposition it. But a lot of times after the property is repositioned, especially today with all the inflation that's happening, I mean, it's all over the news, many of our borrowers decide to keep the property. So what they do is they rent it out. And it's just the whole Burr method, right? They rent it out and then they refinance into either conventional means through a conventional lender or through a DSCR means, right? So, you know, in our situation, again, our borrowers, many of them, they don't fit the traditional mold, right? They don't have those tax returns. They don't have the bank statements or what have you. But with our other option, as far as refinancing them through the DSCR program, we can refinance them up to 75% of their new repositioned value giving them not only the ability to cash out whatever equity they've put in, but also some profits out of it that is essentially tax-free because there's no capital gain on a refinance. Right. Well, interesting. And some excellent, excellent information here. Well, Ruben, tell us how we can get in touch with you, find out more about your loans, and get in a partnership with you. I would highly recommend that people visit our website, www.welendllc.com. They could also visit us on any of our social media platforms. We're even on TikTok, obviously, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Our handle is at WeLendLLC. They could always give us a call as well at 212-777-7780. So those will be the best ways to reach out to us and make that contact. And we're happy to take a look at any of the loan scenarios that they have and be able to work out some kind of resolution, whether it's for the borrower directly or for the broker. Because today we do get a lot of business from you know mortgage brokers, real estate brokers, and just loan brokers in general. Well, Ruben... One last question here before we close out here, and that is, what was one of your most difficult setbacks in life? How did you come through that time? And what did you learn from that experience? I have to say it it goes back to the 2008-2009 recession. And, you know, that was being a loan originator at that time, being a teenager, thinking I was on top of the world, driving a beautiful car and what have you. And being successful and what have you. And everything just went from zero to a hundred and, and, and within 24 to 48 hours. Again, I was too young to kind of see the signs at that time. But what I've learned is that you always have to have some kind of layer of insurance. You know, if things happen in blink of an eye and, and they can, you always have something to fall back on. And thankfully, my father was wise enough and I'm thankful for him. So that day, I remember exactly where I was sitting and where we were when we had that conversation. And I'm very thankful for him bringing that to my attention and making sure that I go back to school. And that's exactly what I did. And I'm very thankful for that. So that would be the viewpoint that I have as far as what shaped me and what helped me change things around. Well, Ruben, it's been delightful having you. And thank you for sharing your life and your story and more information about the lending industry. It's been great having you with us today. Thanks for being with thank us Thank you today. so much, Doctor. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. 
Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.